You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. Grace and peace to you from the star, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Here, once again, the gospel lesson, just the first three verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. This is the word of the Lord. This is one of those biblical accounts where it becomes a little bit easy to be distracted by some of the details. I remember growing up having the impression that there were three magi who arrived at the manger to present their gifts to the baby Jesus on the night he was born. It's a little distortion of what we know, though. I'm a little embarrassed to admit it now that that was my view of things, but can you blame me? Can you blame any child as you look at every manger scene there and the the magi are part of it? Even the manger scene in the back of church, there are the, the magi right there. I noticed last week a member who saw that and moved the magi a little off in the distance. A good catch on their part. But see, it's so easy to become distracted by the details. Speaking of distractions, the people living in Jerusalem at the days of Jesus' time, the early days of his life, clearly they were distracted. And I say that because here these magi were who traveled a great distance to Jerusalem to worship the newborn king. And the first and logical place they go is to Jerusalem to start asking questions about him. But as they do that, as they start to ask questions about him, they have this deer-in-the-headlight type of look. The people of Jerusalem did because when King Herod heard this from the Magi that the king had been born, he was disturbed, confused even, and all Jerusalem with him. How could this be? The Magi who traveled such a long distance to Jerusalem knew about the newborn king, but the people living in Jerusalem didn't. How shocking is that? And all the people in Jerusalem had no idea that King Jesus was born. How could that possibly be? There's a possible clue for us in verse 4 of our text today. Verse 4 tells us that Herod, when he heard this, called together the chief priests and teachers of the law. But the way the Greek reads is, is a little bit different. Just a little, but it's significant. Because it tells us that Herod called together the chief priests and not teachers of the law, but teachers of the people. There might be the clue for us as to why no one in Jerusalem even knew about this anymore. Because the 
spiritual leaders in those days were, were no longer teachers of the law, teachers of the word, teachers of the scriptures, but they had become teachers of the people, giving them what they wanted to hear, maybe. Calls to mind 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. The time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. See, the disturbing thing is, when Herod did start asking around and asking the chief priests and teachers of the people about the Christ and where he was to be born, immediately they knew, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. Equally disturbing and sad that they knew the prophecy so well and yet they were too blinded by unbelief to not see the clear and bright fulfillment in Jesus. How disturbing and, and sad that they knew the prophecy so well and the importance of it and yet when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. These are very sad words. This is a very sad detail. The most momentous days in this entire world's history were there and the people were oblivious to it. The darkness of of unbelief and rejection is the reason they didn't know. But the Magi did know. And how could that be? Sure, the, the Magi, they were, had great interest in astronomy and they were fascinated by this star. But even focusing simply on that is getting distracted by the details. And that will not give us the ultimate answer to the question of, of how the Magi knew what all of Jerusalem didn't. In order to find the answers, we have to turn back the clock a little bit. As you know, the Magi are also referred to and known as the wise men. There's reason for that. If we turn back the clock 500 years from the early days of Jesus to the days of the prophet Daniel, we're introduced to some wise men. Daniel and all of Israel were in captivity in Babylon. And during those 70 years, Daniel, blessed by God, was given a very high position in the kingdom. In fact, he was the overseer of all of the wise men, the king's trusted advisors. Just listen to Daniel chapter 2 about this. The king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. And if there's one thing we know about Daniel, he was not afraid to share his faith in the one true God. Even if his life was in danger, even if he was living in hostile enemy territory. Okay, even if he was afraid, it didn't stop him. And so undoubtedly, as Daniel is now the overseer of the wise men, he spent time to share with them true wisdom. True wisdom in the prophecies about the one God promised to send as a savior. He spent his time with with these wise men to share with them true wisdom about this promise God sent 
about a savior of not just a certain people, but all people. Daniel spent his time sharing them with, 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 with these wise men the great news that, that the Messiah to come would be the savior of nations. And that is a detail that caught the attention of the wise men. And so we connect the dots, don't we? 500 years had passed between the wise men of, of Daniel's day to the wise men who take the long journey to Jerusalem. Except we don't connect the dots. God connected the dots, didn't he? He is the one who led Daniel to, to share his faith with the wise men of his day. The wise men then were led by God to share that great news with one generation and pass it on to the next. And on and on, all those generations until the day of our reading where the wise men who, who traveled to Jerusalem looked for the newborn king to worship him. Clearly, the message Daniel shared with the wise men in his day had an effect on the hearts of those men. As they go now to Jerusalem, many, many years later, to find that newborn king. True blessing by God to place Daniel in the lives of those wise men and for them to pass that from generation to generation all the way to the days when they arrive at that house where Mary and Joseph and Jesus were. And why did they come? They came to worship him. We cannot overlook that fact. They didn't come just because they were curious. They didn't come just because they were fascinated by the phenomenon of a star. They didn't come just to be gawkers at that house. They came to worship him. And they did so because the one they came to worship, they realized was not only the king of the Jews, but also their savior the world Savior. So what does this all have to do with us? Well, quite a bit, actually. Quite a bit. In fact, everything. If Jesus is the world Savior, and he is, what does that tell you about you? That means that he's your Savior, too. How blessed we are, like the Magi of old, to have been shared the good news of who Jesus is. How blessed we are to have had the Holy Spirit work faith into our hearts and now we cling on to that for dear life. How blessed we are to know that we have a Savior from sin. And how blessed we are now to have the same privilege as the Magi, as the wise men, to offer gifts of thanksgiving and, and honor to our King. Not just at Christmas. Not just on Sunday, but every single day of our lives. There are gifts that we can bring to Jesus other than gold and incense and myrrh and money. For instance, let me share with you something that happened to me a year ago at this time. I was driving to church and the, the radio station was asking people to call in with one word to describe the previous year. So on a whim, I decided I would call in. And I made it through. So, Paul, what's the one word to describe your previous year? Blessed. I thought that would be the end of the call, and yet that interested them for some reason, and they said, oh, blessed. Well, in what way? 
And I shared with them how we had been blessed with the birth of our, our third daughter, even though she's a very loud daughter this morning, very blessed with the birth of our third daughter. But then I also shared with them how blessed I was to be and have the privilege of, of being a pastor and being able to freely proclaim the, the greatest message that this world has a Savior in Jesus. See, there are gifts that we can give back to God other than gold and incense and myrrh or, or money. There is rejoicing in heaven, we are told. There is rejoicing in heaven when we share with the people of this world that they have a Savior. Whether we do that on the radio, whether we do that individually, family members or friends, there's rejoicing in heaven when we share the great message that Jesus is Savior of the world. And we know that, right? That Jesus is Savior of all nations. I guess I'll stop circling around here and just come right out and ask you what I've been intending to ask you. We know the truth, but do we apply the truth in our lives? Oh, we know so well that Jesus is, is Savior of the nations, but we all know that there are some people in this world that are hard to love. And just the gentle reminder today that Jesus isn't only our Savior, He's their Savior too. Even the abusers, those who are addicted, the criminals, the bullies, and I could go on and on. Oh, we rejoice in the fact that Jesus is our Savior, but the gentle reminder that He's their Savior too. I know that there are a lot of people in this world that are hard to love, and I know that for a fact because I'm one of them. And so are we all. And yet, what did Jesus do? He was born, but then he died once for all, we are told. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were unlovable, Christ did that for us. So just the reminder that we rejoice in the truth that Jesus is our Savior, but the constant reminder that he's the world's Savior too. I mean, that's one of the primary lessons from this gospel account. And that's one we want to know so well. Because there are a lot of details from this account we don't know. We actually don't know how many magi there were. We don't know exactly where they came from. We don't know precisely at what time they arrived at the house of Jesus. There's a lot about the star we don't know. There's a lot about this account we don't know, so we have to stick with what we do know. And what we do know is that the Magi were foreigners in every sense of the word. They were not from Israel. They were not from any tribe of Israel, God's chosen people. Even more, they were foreigners in the greatest sense. They were foreigners from God because they were sinners. Yeah, they were wise men, which is impressive in many ways, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they were sinners, foreigners from God. And yet today we see that they, sinners, foreigners from God, are led to worship him. They're led to worship 
their savior. Foreigners no longer. And neither are we. The real star of this entire account is Jesus. The savior of nations, the savior of all. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.